0: These guys survived the David Kahn era of Timberwolves basketball and live to tell about it. It's flagrant howls.
1: All you guys worried about the Timberwolves. We're ready to fire Chris Finch after the Spurs game. Sometimes, Kyle, not to get too haughty here. Sometimes January in the NBA, guys can get a little bored. Things can get kind of weird. Last night, the Wolves waltz into Oklahoma City without their floor general. Mike Conley, and they still beat the Thunder in impressive fashion. So for, for for me, things aren't perfect necessarily, but the Wolves are just fine. We don't need to be firing anyone here, like the Bucks did midseason. Everybody can exhale after last night. Happy Tuesday! I'm just glad to see you. I uh,
2: haven't really heard from you much on social media lately. Uh, you were kind of oh, absent really, yesterday, huh? so I hadn't really. Uh, I didn't, <laughs> didn't really know how you were doing. Um, hang that banner. Yeah. yeah, Hang that banner. Took 24 hours off social. Uh, what a wild, this is kind of the ebbs and flows, right? We've been talking about this pretty much all season, pretty much all existence of this pod. Uh, the Saturday loss. And I know we, I want to talk about it a little bit. I know you and, and, and Judd and Declan talked about it yesterday on the show, but, uh, the Saturday loss could have been a low point on the season because I thought as pro Finch as I am. He flat out lost the game. like it was him that I would say that lost on Saturday against the Spurs, whether it be the fourth quarter rotations or like the late game play calling. I mean that seven seconds left down one play for ant was a nightmare on all fronts, and that's that's on Chris Finch. I mean that is solely on him. um but then, you know, I was talking to someone yesterday morning and they're like the the vibes that shoot around at OKC are, pretty good these guys seem locked in and for the most part I mean you can always nitpick any game that you win but last night I, sh- I should have tweeted it out like was last night the best win of the season because I really think it was like the Celtics win that they had and some of those early season wins were good but to kind of have some of the not drama but issues that have kind of doused this team the last couple of weeks with offense and inability to execute and be you know just immature to play like they did last night and to do it despite and we have to talk about this horrendous NBA officiating. Uh it was really really impressive and that's the best win of the season and I think they have basically one or two more wins between now and February 4th to clinch the All-Star head coaching spot
1: for Chris Finch. So, good win. You know, let's uh, the officiating thing. Yeah, I think it's it is worth talking about early here because Anthony Edwards so so the the big play that kind of the the peak of this officiating tension, I guess, on the season, really, for the Timberwolves. Anthony Edwards, I think the wolves are up by two. He drives down the lane and throws down just a ridiculous two-handed dunk emphatically to put the wolves up two possessions. Mm-hmm. And like in real time, it was hard to tell, just from like the TV angle. it looked like it definitely looked like there were some hands kind of swatting up by the rim. And he immediately comes down. He's complaining to the officials. He's, you know, he's showing, and they show the replay. And I did grab a screenshot. I think I stole it from Jim Peterson's uh, Twitter account, and wh- whoever he got it from, it's going around Timberwolves Twitter. It is, dude. It is. It's and it's it's SGa right? Yeah, it's Shea Gildas yep. Alexander. Ironically. He's literally, ju- yeah, exactly. He had like what, 16 free throw attempts last night because some Wolves breathed on him a couple times. So he's literally going up. Not to contest the shot, but he's going up grabbing Anthony Edwards' arm to try and send him to the free throw line to not give him two free points. And so I'm I'm watching this back again last night, and I see a tweet from the Rockets broadcast. I'm not sure if you saw it. Oh, this.
2: this is so good. This is not Wolves related, but it is so Wolves
1: related. Let it rip. And, dude, you know me, like I hate being the I think it's sometimes it's kind of cheesy and homerish to be like the officials are out to get my team. Like at the end of the day, that's not necessarily true. But where there's smoke, there's fire here when it comes to Timberwolves. And let's say the Lakers, for instance, on the other end of the spectrum. So this is from the Rockets broadcast. The Lakers have shot 233 more free throws coming into last night's game than their opponents have so far this year which is far and away ahead of the second place team which is the knicks oddly the lakers despite shooting that many more free throws than their opponents are dead last in drives to the basket that's such a bad look for adam silver and the nba and that the number one free throw disparity team rarely drives to the basket how do you explain that and then meanwhile as i retweeted this you've got (laughs) You've got Oklahoma City, you got SGA grabbing at the arm of Anthony Edwards. And this is a week after Carl Anthony Towns, as they were trying to salvage that game against the Hornets, right? He's getting hacked across the forearm, too. So I don't know what the solution is, but some pretty high-profile, high-leverage spots where the Wolves haven't gotten a call, and Anthony Edwards let it rip in the post game. He's talking to Leah B. Olson on Bally's last night, and he goes... Screw it. I'm going to take the fine. The refs were terrible. Blah, blah, blah. Right. He was also caught on camera. There was like a shot of the bench (laughs) and somebody zoomed in and Anthony Edwards is caught and you can read his lips. Cheating ass refs. (laughs) So, I mean, it's a thing, man. Like, it is definitely a thing right now for the Wolves. And the last thing I want
2: to do is five minutes into our first part of the week is talk about it. But again, I don't want to talk about this, but it is also... It was a prevailing thing last night, and it has been for the last couple of weeks. I mean, again, we're a week removed from a league two-minute report that the NBA puts out that had 10 incorrect calls, including two missed fouls on one carlton Towns drive that probably wins them the game. And yeah. again, they didn't play well enough. They were so mature, They were stat hunting and all that stuff. But I think you can compartmentalize those things and say that's all true, but they also kind of got hosed. And again, I've kind of been pretty adamant about, like, I wish Finchy would come out and be the guy to take that fine or to say those things. If you listen to post-game stuff, Finch does take pretty veiled shots, but I think he's also, my opinion, trying to set, set some culture of, like, we're not going to let that distract us. Like, we just, I mean, he was on, I think he was on K-Fan today with PA, and, like, again, he's like, yeah, you know, I'm not really going to get into that. It's unfortunate, but we just kind of got to keep our heads moving. With that said, the only reason I want to bring it up i cannot express how much i loved and just letting it rip because that's all they can do now uh behind the scenes a little bit if you don't know these teams they have these big video staffs and 100 assistant coaches they're working with the league every day just like you would in an organization they're sending them clips they're like look at this look at this they did it with rudy like look at all these cheap shots that rudy takes they send videos they send them to you know cc adam silver with this it's like what better way Than when you're in probably the premier game of the night, Wolves Thunder, top two teams in the West, uh, a game that should have been nationally televised to just say, you know what? I'm going to use this platform. I know I'm going to go viral. I know what I'm doing. I mean This is LeBron-esque, right? When LeBron sometimes uses the media to get his point across. So he's going to get fined. It's going to be 30, 40, 50,000. That's a lot of AE1s. But he had to stand up for himself. And I don't think even Finch could do it at the level that Ant could. So it's a viral video today. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. The league two-minute report comes out, I think, any minute now. And it's going to say that it was an incorrect non-call to not give Ant the end one. In a game where he shot four free throws and he's attacking the basket. That's what he did there. He attacked the basket. He got to the rim. And the opponent, Shea Gilders who is probably MVP leader or second place behind Jokic. He's in the he's mix. Yeah. awesome. But, man, a lot of those fouls are just—he just falls over. And he's such a good player. He plays so hard on defense. His footwork is elite. But, I mean, he had a drive where he, like, punched Jaden McDaniels where it really does hurt. And he does all these little things with his arm. And I think sometimes Ant just gets the bad whistle because he's just stronger. I mean, he's built like a running back, and it's enough is enough. And I think that's what he kind of came to last night. He knew what he was saying. Cheating, you know, cheating-ass refs, the stuff with Leah B B after the game. Cheating-ass refs. He was (laughs) spicy. There's If you go back and watch that little segment, like, Nas. Is like putting his arm around him. Everyone's trying to console him. And he was doing things out of character. Like he just wouldn't get over it. And I and I kind of get why. So they despite all of that, best win of the year. They executed down the stretch. I think a lot of credit now goes to Ant. There was a play where he got doubled at the top, a couple minutes left in the game. He kind of had a weird low trajectory bounce pass to Jaden in the corner who hits a big three. Yeah. He trusted his teammates more. Jaden had a cool tip in. Uh, All around, everyone played really, really well. And to do it without Mike Conley, when you haven't been able to really show any sort of maturity without Minnesota Mike, uh, I think that's kind of why I lean towards that being the best win of the year.
1: Yeah. Wasn't that? I mean, the fact that they did that without Conley. And again, it's one maybe they relapse into some bad habits and bad spacing and, and some different things in the coming games. But last night was impressive because it showed you they can learn from some of the ways that they've kicked away these games before. And at the end of the day, in a number one versus number two Western Conference matchup, which is really like that's those are the litmus test games. I -hmm. I, I don't want I I don't want them to be losing to the worst teams in the NBA and they've lost a couple of those games. But how do you perform after they've scouted you three times? Yep. And you kind of know each other and, you know, you're going to face each other later. right? And you're missing Mike Conley. Can you. Can you be adults and can you space the right way? Can Finch put the right lineups out there? So it was just like it was coaching adjustments. It was it was player immaturity adjustments last night. And it was a great sign going back to that Spurs game just to sort of uh, (laughs) juxtapose the two. So, you know, the the biggest nitpicks from because that was one of the low points of the season losing that Spurs game. And then, boom, like 40 hours later, one of the peaks of the season. The biggest criticism, and again, this is like the fourth straight episode we've shouted out Jake Painting, Howls and Growls, YouTube (laughs) account. He does a much better job breaking down the X's and O's than either one of us can. Uh, But six and a half minutes in that game of a lineup of non-shooters that had never played together so far this year, Jordan McLaughlin, Kyle Anderson, Shake Milton, and Rudy Gobert, in those six and a half minutes, spacing is terrible, shooting was obviously terrible, and they were outscored 21 to 6 in those minutes. On one hand, if you're going to experiment with different lineups because you're trying to find some different levers to pull, second half against the Spurs in the middle of January, not the worst time. Like, I get it if you're going to experiment with a lineup. Mm-hmm. But I just don't know in today's NBA that you can put four dudes out there that have no chance of hitting it. Like, Shake Milton is the Steve Kerr of that foursome right there. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's a, a below league average three point shooter. So. I get what Finch was doing, but I thought I thought people like took it way too far and like were questioning whether he should still be the coach the rest of the season. So where where do you what do you sort of make of going back a couple games that's the Spurs situation? Uh, how long you got? I I the have some thoughts. The hour.
2: <laughs> I, I have some thoughts, and I want to get into those on Saturday. But you brought up a good a Jake painting thing. I want to bring this up about Finch, and then Jack Borman who runs Cana Supas had a really good one. So let me start with this tweet on Saturday to start the second and the fourth quarter. Finch went with a lineup of Jordan McLaughlin, Shake Milton, Kyle Anderson, and then two of Nas, Kat, and Rudy. Uh, That that group went minus 15 in 6 minutes and 28 seconds. Last night, against the Thunder, in that same let's start the second quarter, let's start the fourth quarter, Finch threw out J-Mac, Nas, Jaden, and then two of Nas, Kat, or Rudy, and that group was plus 6 in 4 minutes and 46 seconds. Boom. So, he kind of figured it out, and I'm going to come off as defending Finch when it's really not. I'm, I'm telling you, like, I will mark the Spurs game down as the Finch lost it game or whatever. But I've also been pretty adamant that I'd like to try an experiment at throughout January and February. Or, yeah, I mean, and you're you not
1: going to do it against the Thunder. You're, if you're going to put a lineup out there that's different, you're going to do it against the Spurs. Yeah, and it totally backfired, right? You've done experiments in high school where
2: it literally blows up in your face like the cartoon or whatever. So if Finch never uses that weird lame lineup again then I will be like okay it didn't work he learned okay see it helped better now if he goes back to this weird three non-shooters four non-shooters type thing there needs to be you know criticism of it but I thought last night he kind of showed you know the players what'd you say were more emotionally mature and more executed better I thought the coaches were more mature and executed better one other thing about Saturday because Saturday night was pretty, t- pretty toxic on the old timeline. Um, I saw some people that when it was really bad, where people were like, "Is everyone in Finch's pocket. Like why, are, why are none of the media people questioning Finch after the game about his decision making? Uh, I always have a tough time commenting th- on things. I don't try to give advice to teachers because I don't teach and I don't have a classroom. Uh, but if you're curious why none of the people that you follow questioned Finch after the game on Saturday, it's cause they weren't there. So if you want some behind the scenes stuff like, yes, during COVID, all those funny ant post-game pressers we got, it's because the league was mandating that these teams do Zoom meetings and we could all have access and everyone and their uncle could get a link. Now, with the way and we can get into this later or down the road or this summer, the way sports media works, there was no beat reporter from the Minnesota Timberwolves in San Antonio Saturday night. Whose fault is that? I don't know, man. Talk to blame, the newspaper. Blame, blame, blame budgets. Blame budgets, right? But there was no one there to hold his feet to the fire. There is no more Zoom. I can't like log into these things and be like, "Hey Finch, why did you run out five guys that can't shoot the
1: basketball and you got crushed in the fourth quarter?" So that's not really a problem either. Like I don't, I don't feel like Wolves Media or Wolves Beat not asking hard questions is a problem. I feel like between Dane and Johnny, and when when like Brit goes to a bunch of home games and Jace like. No, I don't want to miss anyone, but they aren't afraid to poke and ask hard questions, too. So, yeah, and, I um, yeah. and it's a bigger topic. But again, I, I will just say and I, I'm it's all roses
2: for me. New New Year, new me. But it is also easier to have my Twitter account be Wolf Lover 69 with a player avatar and tell Chris Finch what he should do and tell him to go bleep himself if I never am going to have to face Chris Finch in a public setting. Is Shoot Wolf around. Lover 69 verified? It is. It might be a burner Is there a account. blue check? It might be a... Well, I mean, that means nothing. Everyone has them now, uh, including myself. <laughs> but I will just say again, not to defend those guys. And I do think there are times where, I mean, Britt Robson is probably the best at this, is criticizing or asking those tough questions. And again, Chris and John and Jason Dane do a good job. But I just want to be honest. Like, yeah, I would have loved to have had one of those guys in San Antonio on the Riverwalks Saturday night. Because I thought that was the low point. Not even the Hawks game. That was the low point for me. Because I thought the Hornets game, the players really let everyone down. I thought Chris Finch and his staff let everyone down on Saturday. And someone should have been like, why would you do that? Why would you run those lineups? So we didn't get that. That's kind of why. And on Monday, for the most part, again, we'll see what happens at home now against Dallas and Houston. But unless Chris Finch is trying to tank this so he doesn't have to go to Indiana for the All-Star game. which Oh, maybe that's what it is. He's got a spot in Florida. Maybe he just wants to get away for a couple days. But... If they do continue to try to win games this week, I expect to see more of what Jack pointed out. These, you know, Nah and Jaden. Jaden McDaniel should be part of these second unit kind of scoring options to keep things moving. So really low point Saturday, probably one of the higher, I wouldn't say the highest point last night. And it sets himself up again to wake up this morning first in the West, regain control. And it was really big for the tiebreaker stuff too because come April, it's going to be the Wolves. It's going to be OKC. It's going to be
1: Denver fighting for that top one or two spots. So... Yeah, good game. There's only one one game in the loss column separates the top 4 teams in the Western Conference right now. So the Wolves have only 14 losses. Denver, Oklahoma City and the Clippers all have 15 losses, and then they've played different amounts of games. So like the Thunder and the Clippers have fewer wins than the Wolves and the Nuggets, but they're they're all grouped within one loss in the loss column right now. Another thing too that was better last night and it was once again atrocious against the Spurs and some other games. And I'll grab this statistic from Jace Frederick: Clutch time woes. <laughs> so, clutch time in the NBA is defined as the last five minutes in a five-point game on either side. Mm-hmm. And in those in those clutch minutes since Christmas, and this was from uh, this is from two games ago, so the numbers are a little bit different now. But since Christmas, the Wolves have the third worst clutch net rating in the NBA. And the second worst clutch offensive rating. Yep. So they're just overall not good in those close games under five minutes left and really bad offensively. And over that stretch, Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns are combined eight for 30 from the field. And Mike Conley's clutch time usage, it takes a big dip. So they go away from Conley you know, when he's healthy and out there. Mm-hmm. And it's more Carl and Ant just running sort of one on five type things. Now on the season, I went and dug this up for the Monday show on the season clutch time, Carl shooting just 42% going into last night in the clutch and 30% from three Anthony Edwards, 49% in clutch, which is good, but only 31% from three. And he loves to take those threes in close games. uh, And he made one of them last night, Kyle Anderson, 25% shooter in those clutch situations. Jade McDaniels, 33%. And this is probably the most damning in that, Ant and Cat are the two highest usage players for the Wolves in the clutch. That's not damning. This is their combined net rating. So when they're on the court together, it's a minus 12 points per 100 possessions in the clutch. So I think the summary here, it's a lot of numbers, but like the summary here is twofold. Number one, the Wolves have to be better in the last five minutes of close games. And two, Carl and Ant have to figure out what is it that they can go to and chris finch too like what can you call what motions Mm -hmm. can you call what plays can you set up and then for ant and cat like what are you the most comfortable doing and how can you do that on repeat in close games late Jokic, he's got two or three spots you know what shots he's gonna take they find ways like the best players in the nba these guys are still trying to figure out kind of who they are and and what works in these close games late but last night was a lot better dude it was haymakers back and forth You know, I mean, Anthony Edwards is finding teammates open for shots and it was working out. Um, So that's but that's something to watch if you're if you're looking for the Wolves to actually do something in the playoffs here in a few months. And and that's why, again, I'm
2: apologetic, but I'm not really I don't really even get the whole fire finch thing. But I also can respect being frustrated in a game where you're like the coaching was really bad. I don't really think it's like my owner take. I don't really think anyone loves their coach. Uh, you should see what the sp- or the Warriors think of Steve Kerr. Uh, but last night, whatever they learned or didn't learn on Saturday, with 3.58 left in the fourth, Wolves are down one. They take Kyle out. They take Nas out. They kind of put their five-man starting lineup in there. But the way they scored baskets, this will probably ring a bell for people to watch the game, but Rudy had a dunk under the basket where he just little brother Chet Holmgren, which I love Chet, Minnesota legend, but Rudy Gobert has made the gap between those two players at this point in their careers. Pretty wide. But Rudy gets a dunk on Chet. Carl had the assist, kind of dumped it down to him. Next possession, Carl drives. Big fan of just driving and kicking. There's so much more space on this when that five-man lineup's out there. Finds Nikhil, and Nikhil hits a 17-footer. Then Ant has that bounce pass to Jaden. Again, look at who's like scoring in these clutch time moments. Rudy with a dunk, Nikhil with a jumper, Jaden with a three. That's why Ant had a runway to the basket because everyone else is a little more stretched out. There's a little more just spacing in general. And then Ant closed the game out uh, for the Wolves. So, and then Carl obviously hit those two free throws and Jaden had that tip back, but it's just important that Ant and Carl trust their teammates more because they have the mentality Ant specifically, and that's kind of cool, but it's also a detriment that I can do this myself, no matter how many double teams or triple teams. And I thought last night against OKC, they just trusted the pass, a big Finch mantra and it paid out, you know, in, in spades. So really yeah. good win, really good performance. And hopefully that's the type of mentality they can keep when Mike comes back is just, you know, don't rely on one person.
1: Move the ball, move the ball. It makes it so much harder for the defense to defend. You know what would help Ant and Cat trust their teammates more is if they added ball? an even better teammate, like a shooter before the trade Ooh, deadline. Okay. Would you like to recklessly speculate on
2: this episode? I have one for you that's way more reckless that would have been fun to do Saturday
1: night, but yeah, let's do it. Okay. All right.
2: Reckless speculation. All
1: right. This reckless trade deadline speculation presented in part by our friends over at AG1. So about six years ago or so, I discovered AG1 products and they've been a game changer, adding so much value to my life. So I'm not like Tom Brady where I just like, <laughs> I just drink kale smoothies all day and you know, eat perfectly, Um, you're what you're bouncing around, you're busy. Maybe you have kids. You know, it's it's hard to just get all the nutrients you need by eating food. You should eat as well as you can, obviously. But that's where AG one comes in Uh, one scoop mixed with a bottle of water and you have your full allotment of nutrients for the day. Seventy five high quality ingredients, foundational nutrition that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, immune support. Um, for me personally, I noticed just I, I, I'm i kind of like early afternoon AG one guy now where I just I want to eliminate brain fog and I just want to be able to focus and uh, and just feel feel at my best the second half of the day. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG one. Try AG one and get a free one year supply of vitamin D3 K2. They little little vitamin D3 K2 drops for me one in the morning. Boom. Ready to rock and roll. Um, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash flagrant howls. That's drinkag1.com slash flagrant howls. Also a shout out to our friend uh, David at First Mortgage. So our first equity mortgage, I should say. So First Equity, um, I don't know, it was probably seven, eight years ago that I had an amazing experience refinancing my home at the time with David over at First Equity. David, a 20 year Wolves and Lynx season ticket holder. So you'll see him roaming around Target Center. Uh, First Equity Mortgage is Minnesota based, 24 years in the market. They pride themselves on supporting the community and treating every customer as a friend and a neighbor. They work fast, they have a great reputation in the community and industry. You know you're getting a great experience at First Equity Mortgage and you know you're dealing with a diehard Timberwolves fan as well. FEMORT.com. That's FEMORT.com or Scornorth.com keyword David. All right, Kyle. Reckless
0: speculation.
1: So, Doogie was on Minnesota Sports with Mackie and Judd this morning, Mm -hmm. just floating some. He's got some NBA sources a week before the trade deadline here, just kind of floating some whispers. And we've gone over some names here. The Wolves could definitely use some three-point shooting help. Just mm-hmm. it, it would be nice to not give up a rotation player. And I don't count Shake Milton as a rotation player. Like it'd be nice to hang on to Kyle Anderson and somehow also just acquire another body to to lengthen your rotation and have somebody that can maybe knock down a three. So we've talked about Luke Kennard. Inject that into my veins. Uh, Dougie McBuckets. Maybe that's a buyout candidate. Doogie tossed out the idea from somebody in the league in the know of Royce O'Neal, six foot four, sort of small forward wing player for the Brooklyn Nets, 30 years old, nine and a half million dollar contract expiring this year. And he's a 38% career three-point shooter on four attempts per game. Anyone like that, like someone that can just come off the bench, 20 minutes, knock down some threes improve the spacing, I think, is a must in the next week and a half.
2: Yeah, and that kind of vibes with what we've I don't know, I guess I would just say I've heard is they're I would be shocked if they don't make a trade. Let's just say that. We're ten days out, nine days out, the trade deadline is next Thursday. I would be shocked if they don't make a trade because they know that they need more shooting. Uh it would be nice this is how sad it is. It'd be nice if they would have just kept Matt Ryan to kind of have him because to me I mean obviously doug mcdermott is a better player but that number is pretty high right 13 million to make that work if you're going to do it in a trade you're going to have to send damn near 13 million out so he'd be much better as a buyout candidate yeah the royce o'neill one to me is just borderline perfect because i have this kind of just fixation on wing players and the more wing players you can throw out there in spacing he you know he did play with rudy in utah i think he crossed paths with mike conley in utah as well before he moved over to brooklyn um, you just give you Jaden insurance, right? He's probably a more reliable Troy Brown Jr., although we saw Troy reemerge last night into the rotation for a little bit. So, again, do I, I, I've i said what I've said about Kyle Anderson and how main my motivation would be that he can't really shoot, even though the defense is great, and that he's not likely to be re-signed this summer, especially today with the news that the, the salary cap projections for next year are about a million dollars less. So the Wolves are even in a tighter squeeze. Uh, but they have to find shooting. And when when Dane Moore and I talk, we always say, like, do you want a movement shooter like a McDermott? Do you want more of a bucket getter like maybe a Lonnie Walker or a backup point guard? I thought, and it was one game, but when you get Mike back, I think Nikhil can hold down some of that backup point guard duty. And then in a pinch, I thought Jordan McLaughlin played his best game of the night last night. Um, how How bankable are those threes that he's been hitting? He was four for four last night, two for two from three. But I think that's enough. And not to get super weird with football analogies, but I was thinking about this more and more. And shout out to my friend Cam Cresco, who kind of gave me this one. But the Mike Conley backup point guard thing and the Tyus Jones, I've said before, like, that's not going to happen. They just don't have the assets. Some team, if they pry him away from Washington, is going to give a first-round pick. But the Mike Conley backup conversation is, it's kind of like if you play fantasy football, Phil, and, like, you got, like, Saquon Barkley on your team. And it's like, well, I got to get his handcuff, right? I got to get his backup. Well, his backup is Matt Brietta, and he sucks. So, like, you might not, like, Mike Conley, when this comes to the playoff time, is going to be so important that there might not be a single backup point guard that's feasibly attainable that's going to be able to do anything. Like, if Mike Conley is injured in the playoffs, you're probably screwed anyway. So, I would turn my attention to, all right, we have a backcourt of Ant and Mike. Nikhil is awesome. Jordan McLaughlin in a pinch. Ant, point Ant. But we need a wing body that if Jaden gets in trouble, Jaden and Nikhil are very different physical builds, right? Like, they they guard different types of guys. Royce O'Neal would be probably my number one trade target because he can do a little bit really of the three-point shooting and a little bit of the defensive side. Doug McDermott wouldn't
1: be bad on, like, a buyout. Um, but Doug McDermott, I think what McDermott is... He's going to get he, cooked defensively. I know. Like, you're literally playing four-on-five defensively. Now he's one of the best three point shooters in the NBA. So like he, he would, he would alleviate some of these spacing problems. And maybe, maybe what happens is you would, you know, your net offensive rating with the second unit would go up enough to sort of wash it out. But you bring up Matt Ryan, by the way, I'm not sure. I think a lot of fans, he you know, he was like the 14th guy on the team last year. And, and uh, he wasn't really even a household name among some of the most diehard Timberwolves fans. But, uh, and he, what did he play? Like he probably played like 20 games for the wolves last year. Let me see here. Something like that. Yeah, he played 22 games last year. So, you know, he got in in some garbage time. So he's been – he's played 13 games with the Pelicans this year, 23 minutes per game in those 13 games, including mm-hmm. a start. He's shooting 47% from three-point range. hmm. And, and, you know – Like, basically, league minimum salary, too.
2: And this is a, probably another deep dive. And I'm not even sure I agree with the philosophy, but it's clearly apparent. The Wolves finally, after this Gobert experiment – Tim Conley, Finch, all these guys—like their identity is defense. That's not breaking news. Like this, this team's identity is defense, and I think that's why Kyle Anderson still really gets a shot. We know, and the coaching staff has to know that offensively he is just beyond limited. It's not even to the point of missing shots. It's not even taking shots, and that's that's like the worst thing you can do in that role. But they just don't ever want to have a four on five kind of mantra out there with like this one sieve on defense. I mean, it kind of is like the movie 300, right? Like they don't want to have that back goat alley through the mountains that can break up what is the best defense in the league. And I think Doug McDermott is a goat alley through a mountain. So that's why you probably are going to lean towards more of a Royce O'Neal or a guy that can space the floor like McDermott can, but also isn't going to be a complete, you know, negative uh, on the defensive end because Part of the reason the Rudy Gobert stuff and defensive player of the year thing is working is because he knows that all the people in front of him aren't going to just completely, you know, let the ball get to the get to the rim. So, yeah, again, I think they make a move. I would be blown away if they don't. They have some contracts to make it work. Obviously, Shake Milton, Troy Brown Jr. are not guaranteed beyond this year. Kyle Anderson's is an expiring. You got some second round picks. You got a young guy. Uh Leonard Miller is off limits in my mind. I don't know. He if you've just, seen some he of just had like
1: another like thirty and fourteen game. He's kicking out night. his feet
2: like he's a breakdancer. <laughs> but man, he continued. His, also, his motor like he's been having a little better performance on defense and steals and just little things. But he is he's making like eight million dollars over the next four five years. He's going to be a valuable contributor next season, I would imagine. So yeah. they don't have a lot to go shopping with. But I'd be. Sh- shocked and appalled probably if they don't make some sort of small rotation tweak uh,
1: by next Thursday agreed also uh just to to bring the Matt Ryan note to its rightful conclusion so he did undergo a minor knee procedure Mm, in like late November and he's supposed to be coming back sometime soon so he was I mean he was literally for the Pelicans playing He had a game against it was the Pistons, but he played 35 minutes and knocked down six threes in a game in November. Mm -hmm. So just interesting that he uh, he just needed a shot to play some minutes and the Wolves didn't have minutes for him last year. And on on the trade deadline front, too, now that we've had a year and a half since the Gobert trade. And I think even though the reaction at the time was largely locally and nationally, what is Tim Connolly doing? This is a terrible trade. Oh, my God. Now that we've had a year and a half, that trade was great because Rudy Gobert is the defensive backbone of the number one defensive team in the NBA. And defense is the reason why the Wolves are the number one team in the Western Conference going into the trade deadline, right? So you make that trade, the Wolves become the best defensive team in the NBA a year and a half later, number one team in the Western Conference. I don't know how you can say that trade wasn't a success at this point. You might argue, let's see what happens in the playoffs, and I can hear that out. Mm-hmm. But my, my long-winded point here, Kyle, is every single move Tim Connolly has made in a year and a half has been aces for this franchise. Has he whiffed any personnel moves besides, you know, letting Matt Ryan walk away to the Pelicans and shoot 47% from three? Is that a homer take? No, no, like, no. What is he whiffed on? Well, I mean, so I heard you Shake say Shake Milton, he- I guess.
2: Yeah, well, okay, so. When they signed shake like I was excited just like I was with Troy Brown because those are good players they just haven't fit so you know if you want to be honest maybe it's more of just they didn't fit into what Finch was trying to do with them or whatever square peg round hole I don't know but I think you're right signing shake at the deal he got uh, signing Troy all the extensions right like he got the ant stuff done that's a pretty easy one because it's just a max number I thought he got Jaden at a good number I know some people are like you know he's gonna be making 22 million next year he can't average nine points that's a conversation for another day. But this year, again, just a reminder, Jaden McDaniel is one of the best wing defenders in the league is making less money than Shake Milton and Troy Brown Jr. So seems like a pretty good value. But the one that I guess kind of stands out to me, and it's this generation's Justin Patton, is that when the Wolves made the Jimmy Butler trade and somehow got a pick back from the Bulls, there were a lot of fun guys in that middle of the first round that you could have had some nice value to add to the team, but... Tibbs took Justin Patton and he never worked out. That's like Wendell Moore. So I don't think Tim Connolly can bat a thousand Wendell Moore, who was come came from Duke and is a little older prospect. We're talking about backup point guards and all this stuff. Like he doesn't get any run whatsoever. And he's shooting like
1: 35% in the G league
2: too. And his G G league stuff is not great either. So you could go both ways. Like, yeah, from a transaction standpoint, I think Tim Connolly deserves everyone to trust him now, uh, myself included. But I also think there's some blemishes right? Like Wendell Moore hasn't even flashed really in the G League. Um, I'm not really out on him specifically, but also when a team is down Mike Conley doesn't really have a natural point guard. Why wouldn't he even be like, you know,
1: in the rotation? So yeah. And even like as a trade piece, right? He's not even, he he would literally just be a two points, like a $2.4 million uh, salary figure in a trade. He wouldn't, it wouldn't be like, oh, we're going to, we're going to give you the asset of Wendell Moore because mm-hmm. no team would, would really look at it that way in a trade, I don't think. But, but,
2: and this is for another pod, but I am going to make you discuss this with me at some point. There is that argument to be made. You might lose it. There's an argument to be made that the Mike Conley for D'Lo trade, the best player and most important player the Wolves got in that was Nikhil and not even Mike. And Mike has unlocked everything and been a veteran and I get all that and I would tattoo his nickname on my body. But Nikhil, man... Making four and a half million a year. I think Dane had this too. Like Nikhil has two years, I think, on this deal, nine million, whatever. When Nikhil's a free agent again, if he is just playing like he's playing, he's gonna get four eighty. Like he's going to get one of the biggest pay raises in the league yeah. when he's a free agent again. His value to this team and the true Swiss Army Knife of I can play multiple positions, it seems like he hits every important jump shot when an opposing team is making a run. Uh he's been nails and Last trade deadline was a franchise altering trade deadline for Minnesota to not only get these two players, get rid of DLO, but also get some, you know, minor assets that you can use. So I would expect all hands on deck for that very deep front office again to try to find some value out there, try to find some guys that maybe can help you these next three months, but maybe can also help you for these next, you know, 18 months. I do think
1: the hot take police would pull you over just you know, like they would. The hot take police, hot take cops. Conley is the more valuable player in that trade, but I feel you. I definitely feel you. And and again, unless you're just going off of like, do, like dollars per win share or something.
2: No, no, no. No, again, I can make an argument because I think I can do that with anything. But I also know that I would probably lose it. It's just the fact that you could even have a conversation. What does Bill Simmons always say? We'll have a meeting. The fact that you would even have a meeting to discuss yeah. is crazy because at the time it really was looked at as D'Lo goes over there, Russell Westbrook goes over there, Mike Conley comes here, and then here are just some throw-in pieces. And Nikhil, Nikhil Alexander Walker now is the starting point guard on, on the best team in the yep. league when Mike Conley's out. So uh, yep. he's out to been, Nikhil.
1: he's been, I mean, just if they didn't have him. I don't know what they would do. And they certainly wouldn't have the wins that they do this season. So you're right. It is like they literally got rid of kind of a cancerous player for what they were trying to accomplish. Not to just, I don't need to keep driving by D'Lo here, but you know, they, they had gone as far as they could chemistry wise wins wise with D'Lo and D'Lo helped them go from like 29 wins to 42 or whatever it was. Uh, but Nik- Nikhil and Conley have fit so perfectly and they're not ball centric. they You don't need to like go into a game Thinking to yourself, if you're Chris Finch, okay, God, how do I clear room for like 17 D-low shots tonight when I'm also trying to get Carl some shots and Anthony Edwards some shots? You know, Nikhil and Conley are comfortable not taking a shot in a half if they don't need to. Mm -hmm. They'll just do all the other stuff or get other guys going. But when the ball comes around to them in a key moment, they will pull the trigger and knock that shot down a high percentage of the time. So, yeah, it's it's a super fleece job. And yes, (laughs) the Wolves are... You know, you can
2: question their coaching. If you prefer, you can question their maturity or their ability to execute down the stretch. But one of the reasons why, even as a casual fan, you have to give them a chance to make some noise in April and May is they roster maybe the best defender against some of the league's best players. Like Rudy Gobert, by himself, is a pretty good Nikola Jokic defender. Mm -hmm. Uh, And last night, again, I think Jaden is awesome defensively and is just so tough against guys like Aluka or whatever. I don't, I really just don't think Jane McDaniels can guard Shea last night. You saw him on Chet, which was also a really nice move by the coaching staff, but Nikhil might be the best defender of his cousin in the league. And when Nikhil was on Shea last night, I just thought it gave Shea so many problems because Nikhil knows what he wants to do. Like literally like biologically, he knows some of the little tips and tricks. So yeah, I can't say enough about Nikhil. Also, I think he, Chris Hein from the star tribune had an awesome, awesome thing. You gotta go read about Nikhil just being into books and spending way less time on yeah, social media, I did see that. and that's uh, a great article. That's, uh, if you're trying to make some life changes, uh, as I am, that's a uh, read more books, read Chris Hine, and, and spend less time on on Twitter. Unless the Wolves win, then it's I awesome. could
1: take some of that advice rather than putting up Hang banners, banner, <laughs> trolling. <laughs> I read a the, book trolling some of the dark corners of Vikings Twitter. Maybe read a book. Um, hey, let's wrap the episode with Kyle's question of the week here from Kyle oh, himself. Oh, right. Right, well, just a couple more
2: things I wanted to just throw up Wolves currently have the most road wins in the NBA. Uh so that wow, seems pretty good. Wow. Last night, despite being only 22, I think Austin Rivers is 28. We can fact check that, but uh Ant passed Austin Rivers last night for career points, which is just kind of wild because Austin Rivers has been in the league a long time. I know he's not a Where's 30 Ant point on scorer. the Wolves all-time.
1: Is he oh, top that's 10 good.
2: all-time Wolves? Uh you you looked that up because I had one more thing. It might not be a question, but it's just I wanted to get this off my chest and, and say this, because some people know my story about how I got here and how we created this pod. I used to be a blogger, and I wrote at Canis Hoopus and then I managed Canis Hoopus for a couple of years. But uh, NBA fans in general and the blogosphere, where I kind of come from, lost a really, really, really good man. Uh, Dave King, who was a site manager for Bright Side of the Sun, um, passed away over the weekend. I think he was only 57, Phil. <sighs> Happily married, three kids. Um was an awesome writer, uh, awesome analyst, but also his kind of pet project was, I think he had sent over 20, he had raised money to get over 20,000 young Suns fans to games, their first NBA game, which that's to awesome. me is like, maybe one of the coolest things. And I also am very passionate about that. And I would hope that new ownership for the Wolves embraces trying to get young kids and young families to games more and doesn't price them out because that's how you build a fan base. But Dave King was vital in getting me to where i am and uh if you don't know his story go you know go check out some of his articles he's the people coming out from all corners of the nba today um but 57 is just disgustingly too early to to lose someone especially cancer i've I've said before how much cancer affects families and affects my daily life so uh rip to dave king who again one of the best writers out there in the basketball world the phoenix suns lost a good one and uh it's another reminder to just Reach out to your loved ones. Call your loved ones. This is all I know. Saturday night was toxic and chaotic, and people were frustrated. But this is all, to me, still a distraction from all the real shit we got going on. So, uh, yeah. Shout out to Dave King. Shout out to the Suns. Uh, that's kind of all I got today. And shout
1: out to eradicating cancer. We should do. Yeah. We should do something. You yeah, I think at Score North we. Um, in the past we. Have, so my mom died of of a rare form of blood cancer six years ago and and we for a few years we helped with the local um, it's the Minnesota and Dakota's chapter of the Leukemia Lymphoma Society Mm -hmm. just raising money to fight cancer and we did the big climb a few years and some other events and it'd be fun to put something together I mean you you work in cancer in the cancer research area in your day job and it's you know it's impacted I'm sure a huge percentage of our listeners too so um, we should think on that and put something together for for maybe later in the year at flagrant house yeah i think i think ross
2: shout out to ross who's producing this said that the big climb this year at u is at u.s bank in april but um just again there's 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 so many patient advocacy and and research things being diagnosed with cancer having someone in your family or a close loved one uh it is an earth-shattering thing it is not to make of it but it is the woge bomb of woge bombs in your life where it's all of a sudden your whole life changes and yeah if you know if you have any questions throw them in the comments on youtube hit me up on twitter uh i have resources i can kind of direct you to but um again more than anything it's just when another person in your life or attached to your life is is all of a sudden gone um it is a reminder of how fragile this all is and and what is most important so uh Appreciate everyone that always listens to this and let's Phil and I just ramble and say crazy things, but uh, I hope it's a distraction <laughs> for you for whatever you have going
1: on. I do have an answer by the way on just total points. Anthony Edwards. What is he? Is this his fourth year, right? Fourth year with the Timberwolves. He's eighth on the all time Timberwolves scoring list right now. He passed Tony Campbell for ninth, 1200 points ago. And he He's is okay. 200 points behind Doug West. So he's going to catch Doug West like in February for seventh. And then he's like 760 points behind Wally Zerbiak and 800 points from Kevin Love. So I'm not looking. My hands are right here. So Kevin Love would be
2: fifth yep. on the all-time scoring list. Yep. No. Again, let's segue from the serious stuff for a second. Let me get back into childish things. So Kevin Love is fifth. Kevin Garnett is first. Duh. Yep. Yep. Question or something on him in a sec. Carlton Towns would be second. Yep. Comfortably. Yep. Wiggins has to be in the top five. He right? is. He's third. So I'm looking for fourth overall. Yep. Oh, this shouldn't be that hard. But it's it is hard. It's not um It's Nikhil Alexander Walker actually. <laughs> Last night against Thunder. Uh
1: <laughs> I have so KG Carl Ross is guessing Wiggins. here, let's bring Ross in here. Yeah, Ross, Ross guessing Al out, Jefferson. Here. Is that that a final answer?
0: That feels wrong, but it's the best I can come up with at the moment. I brought Ross
1: in just to buzz him. (laughs) That's a good guess, though. Probably not Matt Ryan. Um, It's Matt Ryan. The first 10 games with the Pelicans would be on this list.
0: Could it be Rubio just by games played? Not a big score when he was around? Not in the 10?
1: Had had some sort of scoring
2: floor. I don't, I have no idea. Fourth, it has, I'm going to guess that it's
0: go. Sam Mitchell? Sam Mitchell. Oh, good stuff, Ross. Good Fourth stuff. leading
1: score. Two stints with the Wolves. Long time Timberwolf. Yeah. I know we Christian go. Lehner 10th, by the way. Christian Lehner in the top 10. I know we got to go, but uh, I would be remiss if
2: I this is the best pod to do this. Uh, that little nugget the other day from Brian Winhorst About I know KG? It, we, you play yeah. the reckless speculation music. Uh, we've said on this pod multiple times, we're not reporters, but we know stuff, uh, that they're greasing the wheels. And that if this ownership plan lanes, lands this spring, I would imagine that Kevin Garnett is back in some role. I don't even think that role has been defined.
1: But uh, How about I just would, like sit courtside for 25 games and then like help the Timberwolves players however they need it.
2: Or and like they, what if he was just like the CFUO where he was just like the chief perfect. bleep you officer where every time the Wolves didn't get a foul call. He could just go online and just yell at people, but yeah. I, I think he's going to be a part of it. I don't know if that's a front office role or more of kind of like a ambassador role, but uh, I don't know. And then you know, you know who his friends are, right? He he's big fans of guys like Sam Cassell, who's an assistant coach with the Celtics. So Adam uh,
1: Sandler maybe can come in and help <laughs> the organization. Say Adam yeah.
2: Silver that would have helped the organization. So yeah, I would expect to see this will be a big year for Kevin Garnett, and I as soon as this ownership the keys are handed off to mark and alex i wouldn't be surprised if you start to see him around the team more and god forbid one day with his jersey hanging up
1: where it belongs does uh does minority owner glenn taylor still sit in those same seats next season do we think that's what's going to be awkward is like kg's back in the organization but glenn is still sitting there in the same seat
0: they're actually going to sit right next to each other but they'll be like a buffer (laughs) a buffer chair maybe
1: yeah, we can, we can put Wally Zermiak right? between them to keep them.
0: Glenn's going to sit there. They're not taking those seats from him yet, right? I would think if, if
1: you're Glenn, you want to make sure you hang on to your courtside seats in this transaction, right?
0: I just want to know if KG brings back. I know they're in L.A. now, but I, will KG bring back more appearances from Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis?
2: I, I, um, I think just mixing. Literally, that's a great question. Mixing him in more would be so good for the Wolves have done a really good job of branding and all that stuff lately and. But just having him around would provide like this meat shield to protect the team. I th- No one criticizes Kevin Garnett. He's just his Q rating is as high as anyone. <laughs> and having him just, you know, it would be one photo of him and Ant working on post moves that would just melt me. Like I would just be like, all right, whatever. This team is going to win 130 yeah, it's games.
1: Like, it feels like, you know, the Heat have the backing of like Pat Riley, the godfather, and like Shaq considers mm-hmm. himself part of Heat Nation. And. Udonis Haslam and Dwayne Wade right even like LeBron is still like even though he's an active player the Lakers have all these sort of Lakers forefathers and the Wolves have nothing because KG has been estranged from the organization you know like Wally Zerbiak came back a couple weeks ago and like waved to the crowd but they don't have any like there's no Wolves like (laughs) godfathers or forefathers that are Helping well, like, to guide this thing from 30,000 feet. The, the Wolves' godfather is Nikola Pekovic, but he
2: might be selling drugs <laughs> right now. Uh, but if you even go back to the Saturday Spurs game, I mean, to think back to Wemby and stuff, they have, like, brand ambassadors of Manu Ginobili and Boris Diaw that are, like, at games, sitting 10 rows up, like, just repping the Spurs brand when Wemby was drafted. Those two guys and Tim Duncan and David Robinson all flew from all over parts of the world to, like, take him out to eat. That's the next level for this stuff. If you're going to be not only a a contending team, but a serious franchise, is embrace the past. I get why they haven't, because Glenn and KG have never gotten along. I would love for KG to be a part of this. Maybe not making basketball decisions, but uh, yeah. just I thought that was an interesting nugget, that when Brian Windhorst says that stuff, you know, Brian Windhorst, fingers up, uh, makes you think.
0: Here's one for you boys very quickly. What was it a few years ago where we had... Talk about Timberwolves alum Wolf of the Week, Cherokee Parks was brought back. Yeah, and didn't it have didn't it have something to do with a, a jersey they were wearing a jersey from maybe that era? So don't tell me, Kyle, we don't bring back the all. <laughs> we brought back, back Latrell Sprewell one time, right?
2: Yeah, Latrell Sprewell. I think Troy Hudson's made an appearance. I mean, Ricky Davis oh, yeah. is what literally coaching high school basketball in Minnesota now. But uh yeah. it's also hard to bring back legends. When you really don't have that many. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's like, tough. I don't know if we're going to do like Luke Ridenour night, but uh, the Kevin Garnett thing, they need to, they need to address and need to address it soon. Cause I think it would be actually valuable to, you
1: know, what this team is trying to do and this next level they're trying to take. I'm here for Randy Foy night. If be, if anybody else's Randy Foy night, Johnny Flynn night. Anybody? Johnny
2: just big, s- big West smiles Johnson all over smiley
1: the- bobblehead night or just the smile bounces up
2: and down, but he only shoots one for 10 from the field. Yeah. Oh, yeah,
0: And a sweatband. Sweatband giveaway on Johnny Flynn night.
2: Yeah, that, yeah sweatband, sweat that's a good one. God, I thought... And Derek
1: Williams, I still believe night. I'm going to host that. Just he's in my, he's, he's still, still in his home. prime, you know. He's only like 31 years old. I'm with you on that one. All, All right, time. hey. Good trip down nostalgia lane there to wrap this episode, boys. Uh, we expect to have a very special guest on Thursday's episode, in addition yes, to a random wolf of the week. Yes, sir. And so you'll find out who that very special guest is. No, it is not Shane Heal. <laughs> oh, think. shoot.
2: Oh, spoiler <laughs> alert. And it's not me. Taller and more bald, but uh, not Shane Heal. Not three point specialist, Shane
1: Heal. If you guys could help us grow Flagrant House by giving us a five star rating and a positive review on Apple and Spotify. That would be uh, awesome. Thank you guys, and we'll see you next time on your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast.